Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network, the podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? We're going to start a little two-week mini-series this week on a topic that is very personal to me, perfectionism, which we've talked about and touched on, I'm sure, previously in the podcast. But specifically this week, we're going to talk about what do you do if that most horrific, terrifying situation occurs where you're talking to a client, whether a prospective client or a client that you have an ongoing relationship with, and they bring something up that you don't know the answer to. And how can you deal with that? Hey, and what are we talking about next week? So I know not to meander into next week's topic. <laughs> Just to... <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about why it's important to not pretend that you have your stuff together. Sounds good. All right. So... Yeah, let's start with, yeah, what if you don't know? And we'll yeah. file this under imposter syndrome as well, because there, there's elements of both of that in there. And I would say they're pretty related. Oftentimes they can be. Yeah. Not always, but one often plays into the other. Yeah, they definitely feed each other. Yeah, uh -huh. they <laughs> feed each other. <laughs> and I, I think the important thing to get comfortable with is you are not going to know things. Mm -hmm. And you need to be just comfortable with the idea that there is a limit to the amount of knowledge that you can have. No, there's not. Yeah, there absolutely is. <laughs> and there is no way that you can get around that. And there's also, it's also important to realize that that's a good thing. That it's good that you have yeah. a limit to your knowledge. A lot of, you want to be very, very careful not to try to go too broad in your knowledge because it doesn't mm. allow you to go deep. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a big challenge for a lot of people. I tell my clients, I know a lot about taxes and the lot that I know is I know enough to know what areas need further investigation by your <laughs> CPA. Yeah. When we're getting into an area that I need to do further investigation with the tax planning. Mm -hmm. And when we're getting into an area where I'm going to need to use which software. And so I rely on planning technologies. I rely on software and I like rely on other experts. Mm -hmm. right? And it's not just CPAs. It might also be your tax attorney, yeah. right? Well, we're getting into an area where an attorney might need to be involved. So that I know that beyond this, this line, I don't need to know anything for it because beyond this line, I shouldn't be doing it anyway. Playing back into imposter syndrome, like you mentioned earlier, it's the whole back to that concept of Mount Stupid of getting to a point where you know how much there is that you don't know. And then knowing where that line is of, yes, I am 100% confident in this thing that I know. And there's also these three other things playing into this. 
that I have an idea about, but it's not a solid enough idea. So let's find yeah. somebody else who can and it's who not does know those things and we can collaborate together and figure it out. Yeah. Or just and it's not something them. I'm gonna learn about. Yeah. Which is a hard thing for me. I love going, I mean, freshman year of college my roommate would laugh at me all the time because we'd just be sitting there talking. This was before I had a smartphone all those many years ago. Mm-hmm. And we would something would come up and we'd be like, huh, that's a good question. And I would just turn around to my laptop, go to Google and look it up because like all of this information is there. Why would I not just go learn about it? Right. But it's important to know it's okay to do that, but also be aware that that's the 0.005% of that topic and there's a lot more beneath it that you don't know and that you really shouldn't be spending your time on unless you're like, wow, okay, that was the most fascinating thing I've ever read. I'm going to pivot and go focus on that or yeah. something like that. And that's a big thing is realizing that whatever you find on Google is probably going to be accurately bad information. <laughs> right. Right. And it's a little Meaning higher there's... stakes when you're looking things up for a client as opposed to yeah. college roommate conversations at three o'clock in the morning in a dorm room. Yeah. So what do you do when you don't know? Then, you know, very simply, you need to figure out what should be not your audible response to this, meaning what are you going to say to the client in that moment, but what is going to be your action response to this? Mm-hmm. Meaning, What are you going to do as a result of not knowing? I'd say the audible response is pretty easy. It's, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. Here's how we're going to find out. And then it's that is one of the audible responses. Okay, but the audible response actually depends on the action response. Right. Yeah. So we tend to want to jump to the audible response because that's what we're responding to in the moment. Client Mm -hmm. asks a question. We need to say something back. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, their initial reaction to the idea is, well, what phrase do I use? Mm. Yeah, I don't know something. Right. How do I retain my expertise? If I don't know something, how do I talk to the client? What do I say? And that's actually the second thing that you figure out that is based on the first thing you need to figure out. And the Mm -hmm. first thing you need to figure out is your action response. So your action response is, what am I going to do based on this thing that the client has presented to me that I don't know the answer to? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of different actions, but we'll break it down into a few meta categories, okay. right? So the first meta category is to refer, mm-hmm. right? And that is where you identify, I'm not going to be the one to be able to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, I'm going to hand this off to someone else. This should be something you should talk to your CPA about. This should be something you should talk with a CFP about. This should be something you talk with an attorney about. Oh, you want to know what asset allocation you could use. I can't help you with that. Do you have somebody who helps you with investments? No. Okay. Here's some things to look for when you're looking for that. Yes. Great. Go ask them. And so doing referring is the first kind of action. And then what you say in response to that is based on that action. Yeah, that makes sense. The second is the meta category is research where I don't know the answer to that, but I know where to find it out. Mm. And where you're going, then you're going to say, I need a couple of days. I need a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I need a couple of hours, whatever time it's going to take you to do that research. Right. Yeah. 
making sure that where I go to find it out is not Google. Or if it is, it's a very well-researched Google. It's specific. It's not just first link. It's I'm Googling so that I can, I don't know the definition of this word. So I'm going to Google it and then find Merriam-Webster and go to Merriam-Webster to find the definition. Something like that. Yeah. Unless you're going to a primary source like the IRS, one of the challenges with Google is anyone can create a website and make it look as... Yeah, as possible. You got to be careful. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how much bad information is out there. There's a lot. Yeah. Like, like um, for example, if somebody's trying to start an LLC and they're trying to look up information about that, the first 50 million hits are going to be, oh, we'll do it for you. And it looks very official and very fancy. And you're like, wait, I don't need to pay you $300 for you to do it. I can just, yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, you should definitely pay someone to set up an LLC. I would never. But it depends on the site. But you have to wade through. It depends on the site. Yes. Some of them are completely worthless. Yeah. 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 But as we look at the research, you need to make sure that you have that you do actually know where to go to get it. If it is a tax question, if you are not verifying it against an IRS.gov resource, then you have not actually researched it. Yeah. And so, again, if it's a tax thing, the fact that many of us felt anxiety about having to find something on the IRS website, because it's not a very user-friendly website, that is an indication that you should not be answering that question, right? That you should be handing it off to someone else, right? So that's, so refer, research, right? With With the asterisk, because you already know where to look to find it. And it doesn't right. give you anxiety. And the third one, and I was worried about the alliteration, right? Because I was making it up as I go. But the third one is reject. There so. we go. Good job. You, you, we, we vamped enough for you to have time. Yeah, I had long enough time to figure out an <laughs> R word. So reject is, a, is where you say, you know what? This is not within scope of what I do. Mm-hmm. Don't know the answer to that. That is fine. And not sure who you should talk to about that. And I'm not sure who you should talk to about that. And it's not something I'm going to research, right? And when we look at those three, that's going to determine how you respond verbally. Mm -hmm. And all three of them are okay. Yeah. We tend to have this feeling that if it has to do with finance, we should be able to answer it. If it has Mm -hmm. to do with money, we should be able to answer it. And... We have to have a healthy understanding that that is not a good way of interacting with any client about anything. Yeah. Because if a client said, I just got diagnosed with cancer, I'd like your recommendation on treatment options. That is you not should be my job. Referring or rejecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably rejecting because, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, you, I def- you yeah. get refer and say, that sounds like a much better thing to talk to your, or that's something that you really need to talk to your doctor about, but that's not something where you should try to help them find a doctor to talk to about. Helping somebody find a, somebody who can give them investment advice, sure. Helping them find a doctor is, yeah. A cancer treatment doctor, yeah. Yeah. Now, as we're looking at that, you know, we, we have this like, oh, well, that's obvious, right? That, that's, that's medicine. I don't know anything about medicine. Mm -hmm you know enough to know you don't know anything about medicine. Oftentimes, 
people in the financial services industry, financial coaches are very much prone to this. <laughs> they tend to be like those people who spend a lot of time on WebMD, mm. where they think they now have medical expertise. Because all of my Facebook groups are personal finance related and all of my podcasts are personal finance related. And I, and I read to all the people. books and I talk to you. Yeah. yeah. And so because of that, we tend to think, well, I shouldn't know the answer to anything finance related. Mm -hmm. When you wouldn't say that about how to land a plane, if a pilot has a heart attack, you right. wouldn't say that about what type of medical treatment should you have for this type of cancer. You wouldn't yeah. say that about repairing the engine on a 1987 Buick. <laughs> mm -hmm. you wouldn't, we had one of those for a while. Because you realize you don't know enough, right? And I think that's a big thing to get comfortable with. It, it's okay to say, this is not in my wheelhouse. This is not something that I deal with. Just like you would say it if someone asks you medical questions, or you should say it if someone asks you medical questions. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing to kind of address with yeah. the idea of imposter syndrome is just addressing the idea that I'm okay, or with perfectionism, that I'm okay with not knowing something and not having to be the one to find out. Yeah. There will be certain things that you will research, mm -hmm. but that's going to be a minority of right. those types of questions, a larger portion of them are going to be refer or reject. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's also important to remember that, or put yourself in the client's shoes. If you're talking to your doctor, if you're talking to a professional and you ask them a question and they go, huh, that's a great question. I don't want to get the answer wrong. Give me a couple of days and I'll get back to you. Does that make you go, oh my gosh, they don't know anything? Or does that make you go, oh great, they care enough about my question that they want to make sure they get it right, so right. they're going to take the time. Or, I'm sorry, I'm your GP, let me refer you to a knee surgeon to ask them about your knee problem or whatever. Great. They don't know the answer, they're helping me find somebody. That doesn't diminish that person's authority. It doesn't diminish your trust in that person. I mean, I'm sure it could be said in a way that would, but as long as it's handled properly... Yeah. It doesn't make them any less trustworthy, professional, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And realize that what you need to know is you need to know your coaching process. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to know. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the perfect, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. You just need to know it. Yeah. And that's one of the things where there's, there seems to be a lot of two extremes, <laughs> right? Okay. First extreme are the people who want to have every single possible situation done and tied up before they start coaching anyone. Mm -hmm. You were in that extreme. No, no, right. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> and where you've got a, you want to have like every possible thing figured out, and that's just not possible. Including every scenario of every possible including thing. Every scenario, including not just what is my coaching process going to be? But what is the perfect coaching process that I'm going to have from day one until the end? Because I finally figured out every possible detail of it. Because right? if somebody comes in with this situation, this is how I'll work with them. And if they come in with this slightly different situation, here's how I'll tweet. Yeah. Or just a fear of improving. Yeah. There's this fear of, 
if I start it and then improve it, that means I didn't do a good job with the first person I did it with. And that's not healthy. That's not good. That's not going, you're not going to move forward with that. I will say I've had a lot of personal growth in the last three to five years as I've done. (laughs) Huh, maybe this is not so great. Maybe I was thinking as I was doing a little bit of mental prep work for this going, oh yeah, I can remember every B that I got in middle and high school and I have a reason why I got it. Maybe I need to let that go. Yeah. And then the other side of it is people who will post in the group, hey, I got my first client. Uh, So excited. What should I talk about on the first day for the first meeting? And that is the other end of the extreme. Right. Right. And, you know, good hearted people will say, just go out there and find a client and you'll figure it out on your own because they're worried about helping the people who are the perfectionists. Yeah. But that's bad advice because you should not be walking into the first meeting having just asked our Facebook group, the Financial Coaches Community Facebook group. Less than 24 hours before. Yeah. Yeah. I have a client meeting tomorrow. What should we talk about? Yeah. And so there's a balance between those two of, of really having a healthy understanding that it's okay that my process is going to improve, mm-hmm. but I'm starting with a process. There's something there. Yeah. And being able to balance those two becomes really, really important, right? Being yeah. able to, to figure out where is that dividing line or where is that balancing act between, you know, each of those. Right. Yeah. And it does seem like most people swing fairly strongly in one of the two directions. seems like most of us humans, it takes some time to figure out that middle ground. And some have, some have gone through that in previous endeavors and figured out, oh yeah, middle ground, middle ground is good. Yeah. And yeah, I have all eight of my sessions perfectly mapped out with exactly what we're going to cover for exactly how much time. And, and you should absolutely have that. But you start coaching with someone, but you should also know that they're not perfectly mapped out. They're just detailed mapped out. And those details are going to change. You're going to learn as you go through it. You're going to identify, wow, I really screwed up. That shouldn't have been in that second session. Fine. Mm -hmm. So you take it out for the next set of clients, right? And that's okay, right? So you want to have the detailed map, but also know it's not the perfect detailed map that you give yourself the ability to evolve it and change it over time. Yep. And you don't want to have it be too detailed because then you're just going to be ripping your hair out going, oh no, I set aside five minutes to talk about this topic. And now we've gone seven minutes. Where are we going to pull these two minutes from? And yeah, which is why I, I struggle with time blocking, which I know is your big favorite thing because I get all bent out of shape when I have my time blocked thing and then something doesn't work. I'm like, ah, nope. I found other ways of scheduling myself that tend to work for a while and then stop working. And then I try something new and maybe eventually. And I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you to, to time block. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. Do we need to add time blocking to the podcast? I would love to do a time blocking thing. So two options. Do we want to end early or do we want to pivot to what do I do if I don't know everything on my business side of things? We can talk about what do we do, what, knowing everything on the business side, you know? I don't think it'll be same. terribly long because I think there will be overlap, but yeah, most people listening. The same exact yeah. thing. Uh, number That's one, you're not going to know everything. What? <laughs> yeah. Number two, you need to figure out what you're going to 
research, refer and reject. It's just Mm -hmm. that those take on different forms when you're talking about for yourself effectively. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the research side, this is the sort of the DIY stuff, right? What are you going to research and figure out what you're going to do so that you can figure it out for yourself? On the refer side, this is hiring other people. Mm -hmm. Whether it's hiring an attorney to handle the LLC filing, whether it's hiring a bookkeeping service to do the books for your business, whether it's joining launch or grow in order to actually be able to build those things out, right? Yeah. And when we look at those different options, we need to be very, very, very careful that we are not researching much. I'll get to reject in a little bit, but (laughs) searching much. Again, speaking from past experience. (laughs) Yeah. Your time is exceptionally valuable. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think of DIY as the cheapest option. Mm -hmm. It is almost never the cheapest option. Almost never. Right. And because you have to consider what is your time worth? And you have to consider what else could I I be doing with that time? Yep. Going through the process of figuring out how to do an LLC filing Mm -hmm. for your business. Could you do it? Absolutely. You will spend hours and hours and hours of your time on something that an attorney might have done for Mm $1,000. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is a lot but you might be paying yourself $20 an hour by comparison, right? Mm Because the amount of time it's going to take you to do it, to do the research and get everything done. So are you paying yourself or $10 an hour or $5 an hour, right? Yeah. So are you paying yourself less than minimum wage to do something that you could have paid an attorney to do? And the outcome, you probably screwed it up in some significant ways that you may not have the liability protection you originally wanted. Mm-hmm. from the LLC or whatever, you know, entity structure. You may not have had the right structure based on your personal tax situation. Mm-hmm. So you paid yourself very little money to do a subpar job. Rather than saying you paid, you saved yourself very little money. We can look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you're always, if you're not paying an attorney, you're paying yourself. So different sides of, yeah. Different sides of the same coin, I think. Yeah. So you paid yourself on an hourly basis, very little money Mm -hmm. to do a subpar job to research something that you will probably never do again. And that has no ongoing returns for your business. Yeah. Compared to spending that thousand dollars to hire the attorney and then using that extra hours to learn how to sell. Yeah. Right. To take a sales class, Mm -hmm. which is something that you will use over and over and over again, and will actually have a positive return on your long-term business. And you got it done right the first time. Right. And you got it done right the first time. (laughs) Which is the other thing, because that's what often comes into play. You pay somebody to do it right the first time, or you spend hours and hours learning how to do it and maybe do it right, or maybe then end up having to pay somebody to fix it. Yeah. And so you, you do not want to, you should not be doing it yourself. Yeah. 
it is the most costly thing that you can do from almost every perspective. You want to try and minimize as much as possible what you do and what you don't do in your in your business. And you want to minimize what you do in your business. And what you so, don't do should be the majority of the stuff in your business. So that brings us to reject. So how do you decide reject what is, to reject? Do I really need to do this? Yeah. There's a lot of things, especially if you start doing, and this is one of the downsides of doing research, is yep. you're going to be told to do a lot of things yep. right, as you're trying to do it yourself. When you hire a professional that knows what they're doing and pay them, there's still going to be things they're going to tell you to do, but they're going to tell you to do what's necessary. Yeah. And they're probably going to tell you why and why they're they going to tell you the why. best yeah. thing to do. Yeah. In launch, we spend almost as much time on what you shouldn't do <laughs> as what you should do. Because when you're at the stage of your business of this is a part-time business and you're either trying to build or maintain a part-time business, mm -hmm. there is a lot that's a great idea for a business, but you shouldn't be doing at that stage. Yeah. It's not appropriate for that stage. And so that reject, that's another thing where if you try to do it yourself, it gets harder and harder to figure out what to reject because everything seems like a good idea. Everything has, here's why you should do it. Mm -hmm. And you spend enormous amounts of time on things that have very minimal impact, right? Now, a lot of people say, yeah, but you see big companies doing it. Yeah, because big companies have thousands of employees where they can assign those things to. You don't yeah. see the CEO doing it. Yeah, the they, they have thousands of people who have thousands more hours than you do. And they have thousands more dollars than you do. Yeah. And yeah, everything has a law of diminishing returns, including efforts that you do in your business. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that you are focusing your time on the things that are going to have the biggest returns, mm -hmm. which is going to require expertise. Yep. It's going to require that refer thing to be a big thing. And so in your business, most of it is reject and refer. And I'm, I'm thinking... I'm mentally comparing this to clients. How many clients who come to a financial coach because they're like, I'm spending too much. I have this debt I need to pay off. How many of them have tried three plus budgeting systems, softwares, methods before? Most of them. What's part of the advantage of hiring a financial coach? You get one person telling you one thing to do that they think is going to work best for you. And you don't have to wade through the millions of Google hits when you Google, how do I budget? You don't have to worry about, oh, do I need to do this method or this method or this method? I don't know what to do. I get so overwhelmed. Hey, here's one thing to do. And that's yeah. the same advantage that we can get in our businesses when you choose one system to go with, one program to go through, one expert to hire to help you with X, Y, or Z. Yeah. We had one comment come in saying imperfect action beats perfect inaction every single time. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Good line. Unless you're talking about uh, medical. <laughs> That's probably fair. Uh, if someone has been in a ma nasty car accident and, and you think they have spinal injuries, perfect inaction is perfectly. what you want to do. Imperfect <laughs> action will paralyze them for life. <laughs> so there, is, there are times when that phrase is not accurate, but it's well, a great place yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. We'll see you later, everybody. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.